day past midnight at a meeting of the school board, so God made a farmer. My administration will be focused on three very important words. Jobs, jobs, jobs. This must be a minister, a social worker, a diplomat, a tough guy, and a gentleman. And of course, he'll have to be a genius because he'll have to feed a family on a policeman's salary. From this day forward, it's going to be only America first. America first. We, the citizens of America, are now joined in a great national effort to rebuild our country and restore its promise for all of our people. Because today, we are not merely transferring power from one administration to another or from one party to another. But we are transferring power from Washington, D.C. and giving it back to you, the people. Hold on to your seats. Buckle up for safety. You are now entering another dimension with The Scott Adams Show. And that's right. My name is Scott Adams. You're listening to The Scott Adams Show. I want to thank everybody for tuning in today. Well, so much has happened in the last uh, few days uh, uh, with the basically the Democrats falling on the wrong side of every issue. I've never seen an, an, an adversary or an opponent crash and burn as much as I've seen the Democrats crash and burn, whether it's the liberals in the mainstream media or the Soros-paid district attorney's office or what have you. Um, The Rittenhouse interview that we all got to witness uh, yesterday on Tucker Carlson was really amazing. The poise that this young man had has the poise that he has and anybody thinking that he's going to get less than Nick Sandman is got a screw loose because what he's been put through is just absolutely uh, monumental you know the uh, account that he told regarding his experience with Lynn Wood and attorney Pierce is shameful. And it's something, it's a reminder actually of what I've been saying about Lynn Wood and all the people associated with Lynn Wood, whether it's Ali Alexander or all these so-called patriots on the right that somehow have our back. And I had been complaining for so long that these losers that find themselves on the right are lifelong Democrats. And I can go on down the list of people that Lynn Wood was associated with, whether it's even Sidney Powell or uh, standing up on stage in Georgia saying don't vote. Ali Alexander uh, was another piece of work that was all about the money. And they were trying to hijack 
the Republican Party at the time, and I was trying to tell people this, the Jericho March was a fraud. The people associated with the Jericho March were a bunch of greedy, money-hungry, media uh, uh, whores. They were just going after the buck. And there were, there were people that were being packaged up, whether it's by uh, the likes of someone like pa- Patrick Byrne paying people off in cryptocurrency. And the people that associated with those types of individuals, Patrick Byrne paying people off like Alex Jones, who became a bagman for Ali Alexander, and all the different media types that would surround and stay at the Trump Hotel. And in the name of Trump and in the name of God, they would portray themselves as patriots, exploiting every step of the way people that weren't in the know, like I was in the know. I was, I'm here in D.C. I saw it firsthand. I spoke with radio talent that we've actually had on our station at one point who were connected with these individuals that sold out American patriots right down the river. You know, even General Flynn, I've always made this um, point where General Flynn, the smartest guy in the room, if he's so smart, why did he hire Covington and Burling as his Russian hoax attorneys? That didn't work out so well. Three and a half years later, he can't even work his way out of a paper bag or if the paper bag as a metaphor is a perfectly good call with Kislyak, I don't know how you could botch a a trial case any worse than Covington and Burling did. The most powerful law firm in D.C., one of them, seems like the liberals have a a monopoly on all the powerful law firms, whether it's Perkins Coey, you know, basically waging the coup, or Covington and Burling, who is run by none other than Eric Holder. And if you're a patriot like uh, Flynn, why would you hire Covington and Burling? Why would you make that mistake if you're the such, so smart? But why would you be found in the first place alone in a room with two FBI agents when the White House attorneys said, what is he doing alone in a room with two FBI agents? What could go wrong there? It doesn't matter what you do. It's what they're willing to make up. And sure enough, the FBI wrote up in their 302s that Flint compromised himself one way or the other. And to me, that was the insurance. That was the setup. To get a cabinet member to run blockade for the evidence that was supposed to be released in the very beginning stages of the newly minted Trump administration? Think about what a coup that is. Think about how great that is for the radical left deep state. Never mind the fact that General Flynn's brother, Charles Flynn, is now gotten a promotion from Biden and company to head up the Pacific uh, mil- uh, infantry or military in the Pacific. The uh, army in the Pacific is now run by Charles Flynn. And Flynn was hired twice, not once, but twice by Obama. 
So when you think about the Flynn's, you think about lifelong Democrats, which they are. You think about the idea that he trapped himself in a room with two FBI agents that happened to go rogue, were rogue, and he must have known it. What are the odds? And then he hooks himself up with people like Lynn Wood. And I happen to know radio show hosts that had dinner the night before the Jericho March, literally had dinner with Lynn Wood, Sidney Powell, Patrick Byrne, uh, General Flynn, and they were all at a table together. This is not in the spotlight. This is at a fancy restaurant, hatching their plans. Patrick Byrne had all the money. He was the, he was the cryptocurrency guy. Alex Jones was the bag man. And everybody was getting rich quick, getting a lot of media attention, a lot of hype. How about that other hoax, the Shadow Net or Shadow Gate or whatever it was called, where Millie... Weaver was somehow going to get arrested. And we found out the truth about that. No, no, no. See, I don't really care what people think. You know, I get hate mail every time I bring this stuff up. How dare you, um, you know, talk about our own. But it's not our own. You know, a lot of the players that were involved in the Shadow Net, Shadowgate, were actually, if you look and peel the onion at their criminal records that are a mile long, you find that they're registered Democrats. So you got the players in the Shadowgate, registered Democrats, carry the one. It's not hard to figure out, is it? You got all these people that are registered Democrats. I was never in the Linwood camp and always thought he was a, a wackadoodle. So what would Trump have to do with them at all? Well, Trump is playing in the world of uh, politics where every single avenue, every single vein of Republican voters is someone he has to cater to. And so he has to try to win over every group. He can't. He knows the ratings game. And so there it was. There it is. But Lynn Wood, I said to myself, what are the chances that everybody up on stage, whether it's General Flynn, a lifelong Democrat, Lynn Wood, a lifelong Democrat, Sidney Powell, who wrote a glowing appraisal of Judge Emmett Sullivan, who was the guy that was delaying and stonewalling the Flynn, Flynn case. And I'm thinking to myself two things. What are the odds of them all being Democrats? Now, I don't know that Cindy Powell was a Democrat per se, but she certainly wrote a glowing report in her book, License to Lie, about Emmett Sullivan, just so happens to be the judge that was presiding the case that she then sat in on. And it was more delays in that case than anything I've ever seen in my life. And you got to ask yourself the question, what are the odds? The odds are slim to none that they're all Democrats standing up on stage. It's bizarre. The odds are ridiculous. Meanwhile, you get someone like Lynn Wood and all these so-called, well, they are patriots. They were just duped. And they show up in the Georgia rally with Ali Alexander, Sidney Powell, Lynn Wood, and all these other people. General Flynn was there. And they're all basically 
surrounding Lynn Wood. Lynn Wood says, don't be fooled twice. We're not dumb. Remember when he said that? Don't vote on those machines. And even the Trumps, you know, were basically like, wow. No, go and vote, people. Go and vote. But how many tens of thousands of votes did he cost the Republican Party? Did he change the trajectory of how the Senate seats were dominated? Because it was razor-thin margins. And changing the power in the Senate, what did that do? Ultimately, what that did was that allowed for a Democrat to preside over, you're not going to get the votes so so long as you have Manchin doing the right thing, or uh, cinema, Senator Cinema. but what you end up getting is a floor vote that you never other, otherwise would have gotten. You know, even even with the likes of someone like Mitch McConnell, who's, you know, basically co- named Cocaine Mitch for a reason, because the uh, foremost group is the boating, uh, the uh, shipping company that his wife's connected with that pretty much dominates the seas of the China Sea and goods and shipments coming from China to America. How's that working out, by the way? And once upon a time, one of their ships got uh, stopped and there was cocaine found all over the ship. You know, who knows what these senators are involved with, but Ocasio-Cortez, the guy that she replaced, was named Crowley. He was the second or third most powerful Democrat in the House of Representatives, and he was connected with the shipping company. And I'm thinking to myself, what's up with all these powerful elites getting connected with the shipping companies? And look at what the, look at how much control they wield now. <laughs> but what are the odds? Whether it's the Jericho March or the Georgia rally to get out the vote, where he's telling them don't vote, what are the odds of them all being registered Democrats? I think it's crazy. Flynn was a lifelong Democrat. Lynn Wood was a lifelong Democrat. Sidney Powell is writing glowing appraisals of the lifelong uh, Democrat uh, Emmett Sullivan, who was appointed, I think, by a Bush. I don't get it. But they were delaying the Flynn case. And I always, uh, I always uh, say that it's very similar to the Watergate. And the people that were financing, we now know, through Cash Patel and through Danchenko and the revelations there and through the Durham Special Counsel, we kind of now know that Danchenko and Dolan and Victoria Newland from the State Department and all of Hillary's friends were in on this, whether it be Fusion GPS and Glenn Simpson and Nellie Orr and Bruce Orr, whether it be the all roads leading to McCabe, like Cash Patel said, and talking about McCabe and Lisa Page and Peter Strzok, and all these rogue and corrupt FBI agents, just so happens that the best way that you can actually freeze an administration is to actually get a cabinet member to be compromised. And that was pretty easy to do, considering that Trump 
hired a cabinet member that was a lifelong Democrat. And apparently that did not, in reality, that did not work out too well for Trump. One of his bad, well, one of his first fires, not hires, but fires, was General Flynn. And when you think about that, you think, wow, because if he's a cabinet member and President Trump covers up for a cabinet member, he surely is going to get impeached for obstruction. So all the wheels are in motion. All the uh, chess pieces are in place. And Comey thought he was on easy street and he was going to be basically controlling the Trump administration until Trump fired him. And it was a surprise fire. And that was unexpected. And it took Rod Rosenstein, what, less than 48 hours to get Bob Mueller to be special counsel. Do you recall? And when you got a special counsel, you basically tie up all the evidence and make it untouchable. Because if you touch it, you now have a situation where you're obstructing justice. The same was true with Comey and his FBI. Now that you have a cabinet member that was pinched, lying to the FBI. But of course, we know that Flynn really didn't lie to the FBI. He had nothing to lie about. The Kislyak call was perfect. We know about that January 6th meeting that included Joe Biden and all the unmaskings by Samantha Power and all of that being done. And so I think it's really rather telling that Lynn Wood and John Pierce did not have Kyle Rittenhouse's best interests at heart. And I'm not surprised. But I will tell you this. I posted this video. And sure enough, a lot of people posted on Facebook. I'm surprised. I was surprised. I thought Lynn Wood was one of the good guys. I was never surprised by that. And that whole group of Ho Chi Minh patriots that people were following from one stage to the next. And they were all getting paid off by Patrick Byrne money. And again, Trump kept them all at bay. He kept them all at bay, but he kept them all, you know, keep your, keep your enemies closer. Keep your friends close, your enemies closer. He, they weren't necessarily enemies, There's nothing wrong with drumming up a crowd so long as they support Trump. Yours truly, right? Donald Trump. Having to make all these decisions. Weighing out the pros and the cons of every little thing. So you don't burn any bridges in politics and you certainly don't throw away votes that are sitting on the table. You take it all. You rake it all in. One of the chief complaints, though, about what Donald Trump's campaign is up to these days is he's not giving other nonprofit organizations room. He doesn't trust anybody. And so he's sort of hoarding the donations. Um, And that's one of the issues. He's going to need an alliance. But he's going to have to make sure he chooses the good from the bad. And Linwood and the group that Linwood hangs out with, wink, wink, uh, are all going to have to... uh, be reevaluated by the patriots that bought into their lies. Well, let's take a look at Kyle Rittenhouse and what he had to say about his his attorneys at the time. 
How long were you there? I was in jail for 87 days, and this goes this follows in with Lynn Wood, who Lynn Wood was raising money on my behalf, and he held me in jail for 87 days, disrespected my wishes, put me on media interviews, which I should never have done, which he said, oh, you're going to go talk to the Washington Post, which was not a good idea, along with John Pierce. They said I was safer in jail instead of at home with my family. And then after I'm bailed Your up, lawyer said that. My lawyer said that. John Pierce and Lynn Wood. 87 days is a long time to be in jail. It, it was it was very long. I lost a lot of weight in there. I, I, I since then gained it back. I know the feeling. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but 87 days of not being with my family for defending myself and being taken advantage to, being used for a cause by these by John Pierce and Lynn Wood trying to solicit, not solicit, trying to raise money so they can take it for their own benefit, not trying to set me free. So you think they could have raised the money for bail faster, but they didn't? Um, I believe it, I believe uh, sometime in September, September 5th, I want to say, they had over a million dollars. So they already had the money. In September, he could have been released, is what he said. <clears throat> it's pretty disturbing when you think about it, that they're exploiting this kid and this, you know, this blue-collar family for political gain, for financial gain. And it kind of reminds me of, you know, <clears throat> all the defense funds that were going on with respect to even General Flynn and involving Sidney Powell and all the money that they were making. They made millions and there is a reason why it is that the Trump administration put out a memo saying that they are not our attorneys. Jenna Ellis and Rudy Giuliani are our attorneys, but Lynn Wood and Sidney Powell are not our attorneys. You know, and like I say, I was contacted by the Washington Post and John Swain as uh, the writer to talk about the Kraken. And he said, the Kraken is one of my radio show hosts. And I laughed. I said, you mean the person with a rap sheet a mile long? You know, for all kinds of crazy crimes, forgery, and, you know, it's all documented on court dockets. And fraudster, registered Democrat, the whole ball of wax. And you say, well, why in the world would Red State be hooked up with that? It's because a lot of these so-called patriots that were infiltrating the Trump administration, they were also trying to infiltrate, say, Red State Talk Radio or some other organizations. They were trying to give themselves credibility and a voice by using us. <clears throat> and, you know, you get we get inundated every day with people that want to be on our team or part of our network. And we, we turn we turn way more people down than we actually green light in in terms of radio show hosts, in terms of the vetting process. But you 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 somehow sometimes make mistakes. You don't get it all right. And people try to work their way in, but you keep an eye open always. And so that's what was going on there. But 
the Kraken was a joke. And when I found out about the Kraken being who I happened to, someone I happened to knew, I knew not well, but you know, never met the person, but knew. Um, it was right then and there I realized this is this is not looking good for Trump USA. This is not looking good. That we were expecting that this whole thing about CIDL servers and the, all the stuff that was going on in Germany at the time, we were, that we were hoping for something good to come out of that. Turns out that that was just a big, huge Spygate 2.0. You know, a bunch of people pulling a ruse, a hoax. And it, what it does is it embarrasses the conservative movement that supports Trump. And what happens when that happens is it discredits our messaging. So that when we sit down and have a debate with our liberal counterparts, whether they're friends, family, or colleagues, or associates, or debate uh, opponents on TV or elsewhere, we lose credibility. Oh, that thing. I remember I was over the summer, I was at a party talking with a, uh, a very seasoned writer who writes for many publications. And I said, what's your big beef with... And I also had a conversation with a liberal from a state, the State Department. What's your beef with Trump? What is your beef with him? He loves America? What is your big beef? And they always cite the January 6th thing. And again, who was involved with the, organizing the January 6th thing who fell into the trap? People like Alex Jones and... And, uh, you know, a whole host of Patrick Byrne and all the Ali Alexander, they all self-admit that they were involved. They were also involved in the Jericho March. They were also up on stage involved with the um, Linwood don't go out and vote in Georgia. They were infiltrating and embedding themselves into the right-wing movement. And they weren't part of... Us, they were actually spying, or they were they were creating disinformation that would be demonstrably false, easily proven false, and that's why I I really think that this this play was in uh, that that in, uh, was very similar to the Watergate, in the sense that you got a couple of patsies or chumps to bite. And say, yeah, we could. I'll I'll wiretap the DNC and uh, get themselves busted because somebody turned somebody in. There was no security systems. If you were good at stealing, or good at, you would have gotten away with that. There was no security back in the early seventies to speak of. And that could have easily been done without people getting busted. It was sort of like amateur hour. They meant to get caught. And when they got caught, who was the plumbers? The plumbers were like CIA, socialist. It's not your average job career description. Communist. You remember, all you got to do is watch all the president's men. And in, in the Russian hoax, what was involved with that? You got the FBI, McCabe and Comey, and people leaking to the press. 
people like Michael Isakoff from Yahoo News or or David Korn from Buzz uh, from Mother Jones, and you had BuzzFeed all reporting. You had infiltrators into from the Trump administration like Fiona Hill and Dangchenko and even Eric Ciaramella and Sean Misko and all these other players. They were in the White House national security team. There were carryovers from the Obama team. And they were leaking to the press, as was Adam Schiff, liberal congressman, but liberal FBI agents were working with radical lefty uh, news reporters. And guess what? Woodward and Bernstein were those radical lefty, you know, and they were involved in the Ukrainian uh, uh, impeachment, uh, along with Fiona Hill and Bill Taylor and George Kent and all those other, George Kent was the guy with the bow tie, all those people. And again, these were the same people from the Brookings Institute and from these same circular reporting publications. And they were all embedded in the Trump administration. And this is why I advocate decentralization of Washington. But when you think then about who was on the Watergate Commission but Hillary Clinton, and then who was on the payoff of Perkins Coey, Fusion GPS, and CrowdStrike. And again, I still believe there's a Seth Rich component to the CrowdStrike component of that play out of the Russian hoax. Because Seth Rich definitely was a big factor in that. And that cover-up is still something we've yet to really learn a lot about. But Hillary Clinton was there every step of the way whether she was on the Watergate Commission or elsewhere. And so it's just natural to me that you can make that connection, especially because it comes from the same playbook. And I just find this interesting. I find the whole aspect of it interesting. That you had this infiltration like Howard How Dean. How long were you there? I was in jail for 87 uh, days. Howard, Howard Dean, or not Howard Dean, John Dean. John Dean, who was embedded as a Republican in the Nixon White House, who didn't like Nixon. And it turns out that the person who was involved in wiretapping the Weather Underground and Black, Black Panthers, today we, we call it the Black Lives Matter group, still a bunch of black Marxists. There were militants that wanted to burn the government down. Weather Underground is today, uh, we have Antifa. And Black Panthers, today we have Black Lives Matter. It's the same playbook, folks. Everything is really the same, but just different names, different labels, different faces. But the playbook itself is the same. We're going through it. The only thing we don't have is the Vietnam War. We don't, we're not in a war right now. But give them time. They will create a war, just like Lyndon B. Johnson got us knee-deep into, into Vietnam, and it was Nixon that got us out of it. Nixon wanted to get out. And uh, someone who was like a Republican, JFK, was more conservative than Lyndon B. Johnson was. You know, wanted to basically dis- dismantle the alphabets, 
the FBI and the CIA, but very much like we want to do today. He didn't want to get knee-deep into a quagmire in Vietnam. But the military-industrial complex did. The State Department and the CIA did. Because there's a lot of black money involved. And when I say black money, I'm talking about black markets with 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 uh in you know early access to these things you know Lynn, uh, Lindsey Graham is famous for this he and John McCain were you know head kingpin for all of this stuff and just like back then <clears throat> we got Reagan i think we're going to have i think we're going to have uh Trump 2.0 you know Trump exposed all of this for what it is. And I love it when Trump would say, you know, one thing I learned about Watergate was the the uh, cover-up was worse than the crime. And of course, that's exactly what they were trying to do to Trump. They weren't interested. There was no crime to get Trump on. They knew they were never going to get Trump on a crime. They were prolonging the ruse so that one day or at some point, Somebody within the Trump cabinet would make a mistake and there would be a cover-up. What they didn't realize is what a great student of history Donald Trump was. And Donald Trump basically learned from Watergate and learned from Nixon and basically never fell into that trap and said, you know what, have at it. Take a look at all my records. But what that did do is it prevented Trump from actually releasing to the public damning information about the Obama administration. So they ultimately had a win-win scenario, the Democrats did. Their scenario was we either win by icing President Trump from his ability to expose us. That's why the Ukrainian call was so important when he mentioned CrowdStrike and he mentioned someone ought to look into Biden. And, you know, him bragging about withholding a billion dollars until you fire the prosecutor that was investigating Hunter Biden. That was a bridge too far. And that's why they got Biden installed as the candidate of choice. The Democrats knew he had nothing to lose. He was all highly compromised. And he would have been a puppet to the puppet master who happened to be Barack Hussein Obama. And Barack Hussein's on record publicly in an interview saying, I would much rather be a third person behind, have a third term working behind the scenes than to be the front guy. And, you know, we're seeing that play out firsthand. And that's what this was all about. Let's take a listen uh, to... Let's take a listen to... uh, a couple of these uh, Tucker Carlson clips. This clip here, not really part of the interview. It says, Tucker stood up for what was right from day one. Let's take a listen. So are you really surprised that looting and arson accelerated to murder? How shocked are we that 17-year-olds with rifles decided they had to maintain order when no one else would? So are you really... So how's that cash bail that Soros keeps pushing for direct uh, district attorneys? Soros has been electing district attorneys with uh, small 
small-time cash wins that allow his money to get the most bang out of every buck. And uh, Kamala Harris and people like that, you know, support that cash bail. And then, you know, take it one step further. How about Rashid Tlaib? Rashid Tlaib doesn't even know what to do. She basically is saying she wants everybody out of federal prison within 10 years. How, how do you get, how do you square that with what just happened, right, in Kenosha? I, I can't, I can't square it. Can you? It doesn't make any sense unless it's done on purpose. And that, that's just it. You know, this type of thing is just happening all too often. It's not by mistake. These people are not that dumb. And, um, you know, we're going to have to do something sooner than later. We're going to have to play our hands sooner than later. 2022 can't come, come soon enough, frankly. But let's take a listen to this uh, clip. It's hard to ignore the yawning class divide between Kyle Rittenhouse and his many critics in the media. Rittenhouse comes from the least privileged sector of our society. I love it when he put it that way. Start, start one observation, which you can't resist making. It's hard to ignore the yawning class divide between Kyle Rittenhouse and his many critics in the media. Rittenhouse comes from the least privileged sector of our society. During high school, he worked as a janitor and a fry cook to help support his family. Last year, he got into college at Arizona State, and he's very proud of it. In the world Kyle Rittenhouse grew up in, it is not a given that kids go to college. It's not even close. During the course of our long conversation, Kyle Rittenhouse struck us as bright, decent, sincere, dutiful, and hardworking. Exactly the kind of person you'd want many more of in your country. He's not especially political. He never wanted to be the symbol of anything. Kyle Rittenhouse just wanted to keep violent lunatics from setting fire to cars. In the America he grew up in, that was considered virtuous. So if Rittenhouse seems a little bewildered at points during our interview, thinking back over the last year and what happened to him, that's probably why. Start one observation, which you can't resist making. It's hard to ignore the yawning class divide between Kyle Rittenhouse and his many critics in the media. (laughs) I apologize, that just played twice. So we're going to play this one too. Are you confident that the government will protect you from threats? I love this response. I hope so, but we all know what the FBI, how the FBI works now. Look at this. To look at the facts of what happened. Do you, do you feel the threats? I, I do. I, I see some of the threats. Some of the things people say, it's absolutely sickening. Has, do, are you confident that the government will protect you from these threats? Because that's, of course, the government's job. I hope so, but we all know how the FBI works. Yeah. I mean, looking back, <laughs> it's been, you know. The FBI has become an absolute joke, and people like McCabe, who get these gigs on MSNBC and CNN, have a lot to answer for and should be ashamed of themselves. You know, Molly Hemingway uh, uh, made a really good point. She was basically talking about, you know, one of the biggest gets in all of, basically in all of television, and the media and and uh, Kyle Rittenhouse chose Tucker Carlson. That that never really used to be the case. You know, it would always be one of the big networks with the biggest numbers. 
where you would expect that. And it's a, it's kind of a telling situation uh, with respect to that. What did Molly Hemingway said? <clears throat> she said, this Kyle Rittenhouse interview is the biggest get in television. And the subject did not choose to speak with any of the corrupt corporate media outlets who lied constantly about him. He went with Tucker, biggest name in TV journalism. Tucker Carlson really has done a, an absolutely remarkable job in the last couple of years. And he wasn't always this way. He was actually working with Bill Crystal once upon a time. But they lost their way. You know, that's why there's some moments where, you know, Tucker Carlson, I absolutely disagree with some of the things he says. But lately, I think even he has woken up to, you know, wisdom, the wisdom that he now you see every day on his opening monologues, I think is basically a development within himself. And... um we want to take a listen to this one. First, Molly Hemingway writes, I hope so, but we all know how the FBI works. She's quoting Rittenhouse to a question from Tucker. You know, that basically should say, speak volumes. What does that say to the FBI? What does that say to Christopher Ray? And again, you got to ask yourself the question, why in the world did he get hired? I actually believe that Trump was also being... Um, I think Trump hired some of these people. And in my mind's eye, you know, my imagination, I always think someone like a, a Lindsey Graham walks into the office and says, you're going to help me and you're going to hire Christopher Ray, And in the end, you won't get impeached because I control the Senate. And L- Lindsey Graham basically helped, wielded that power. He could have gotten basically the Senate Republicans led by Lindsey Graham and Mitt Romney in the works to to basically get that impeachment if he wanted one. But he didn't. He stood his ground and he honored his, you know, but Lindsey Graham was a very corrupt politician. As you know, he's very corrupt. And, you know, it's, it's no wonder that the South Carolina state, South SCGOP, never had a primary that year. One of the first ever. They cited COVID and protecting the incumbent. Trump didn't need any protection in South Carolina. It was a situation was Lindsey Graham needed protection because the only way that Lindsey Graham was going to get ousted is if he got primaried out. And they managed to use Trump even for that. Even today, this case is still about Trump. It's it's really amazing. And we don't even bother talking about this maniac that drove all drove over all these people in Kenosha, Wisconsin. Or not Kenosha. Um but this maniac that ran these people over. It's just another case of that that's a case of, that's a blow against cash bail, really. They want to turn Rittenhouse into gun gun legislation. And they want to turn uh, the case where the the, uh, person out on $1,000 worth of bail uh, basically uh, got let out because the prison systems are too full or something like that. 
Um, should have never been out. And meanwhile, you have Rashid Tlaib advocating that all people are going to get out of jail free within 10 years. But that Kamala Harris stood for cash bail. So many people stood for cash bail. So Tucker asks Kyle Rittenhouse, what is, me- what is his message to Joe Biden for calling him a white supremacist? Once again, wrong again, Joe. The only white supremacists I've met uh, that I actually know of in Washington, D.C. Is, is the pedophile. Not much different uh, pedophile than the guy who ran these people over in, uh, in uh, I'm drawing a blank on the name, but Kenosha, Wisconsin. Uh, they all sound alike, right? Kenosha, Kenosha. Um, in any case, that guy was also a pedophile, much like JoJo or Joe Rosenbaum, and uh, he was a pedophile. It seems like all these Democrats are pedophiles, like Joe Biden. So Joe Biden has a lot more in common with these lunatics, whether it's what we, in either of the Wisconsin cases. But let's take a listen to what Kyle Rittenhouse has to say um, about it being actual malice, what Joe Biden did. Precise, like my case. What did you make of the President of the United States calling you a white supremacist? Mr. President, if I could say one thing to you, I would urge you to go back and watch the trial and understand the facts before you make a statement. That's not a small thing to be called that. No, it's, it's actual malice defaming my character for him to say something like that. What? I mean, why do you think, and it's not simply Biden who said that, it's like... Well, we know that the Rittenhouse case had nothing to do with race. That it was a Black Lives Matter uh, event, per se. But when does Black Lives Matter ever get together where they don't burn and bang and set things on fire and shoot people? And, you know, that's just what they do. That's what they do best. They riot. They set things on fire. They tear buildings out. They loot stores. The same stores, especially the big chains, that are that are supporting of them. It turns out that Rittenhouse himself said, "I'm even a, you know, I support Black Lives Matter." Go figure. I don't. I think they're a bunch of Marxist uh, morons. They're, they're really not the sharpest tools in the shed. Neither was the Black Panthers, for that matter. Any group that actually resorts to violence when they can't debate their side of the equation is basically short-changed when it comes to wisdom. And you know who would tell you that? Someone like Thomas Sowell, a black leader, thinker, and... Um, It's just a shame that America liberals have endorsed this because, again, when we talk about Antifa, Black Lives Matter, we could very well just be talking about Weather Underground and Black Panthers. You know, it's not like William Ayers, who actually was best friends with Barack Hussein Obama, who was friends with, you know, Barrakhan, who was friends with uh, Panther uh, members who was friends with Weather Underground 
This is all part of the Obama DNA. Fast forward to Antifa and Black Lives Matter. If only we can get hate groups that could divide, not only within our race, say the black race, which in the wake of Ferguson, Black Lives Matter was set out to set out to divide black conservatives from black liberals. But then they wanted to divide America based on police brutality. And all you had to do was look at the statistical numbers and realize that there is uh, no case for them to argue. So because they can't argue their case because the numbers don't support their, their point of view, whether it's the Kaepernick situation where he was good friends with the Obamas, taking a knee, disrespecting our flag, all in the name of police brutality that didn't exist. When you look at the numbers, it's just a ruse. And that's all it is with the Democrats. They're always lying to you. Whether it's the DA that allowed this guy that ran these people over in the Christmas parade in Wisconsin to uh, explain away why he was free and blamed it on the system, they're always making excuses. Never mind the fact that these people supported cash bail, which we promised you would lead to this. So let's take a listen to this quick clip. It wasn't Kyle Rittenhouse on trial in Wisconsin. It was the right to self-defense on trial. Let's take a listen. It wasn't Kyle Rittenhouse on trial in Wisconsin. It was the right to self-defense on trial. And if I was convicted, no one would be able, no one would ever be privileged to defend their life against attackers. So these same people that want to fire you from your job basically throw an, a, a blind eye to justice. I mean, look at the people that are sitting and rotting in jail in J6. Then look at the guy who ran people over who was sitting free on a cash bail of $1,000. Tell me that these people who were rotting in jail in Washington, D.C. over basically their love for President Trump, they're rotting in jail. They can't get bail if it if it... If it's, you know, they could easily make the $1,000 bail. They can't get bail. They have the book thrown at them. And yet, at the same time, the same person saying those people will rot in jail, someone like a Rashid Tlaib or the squad in general, Ayanna Presley or Ocasio-Cortez, all of them want lighter sentences and cash bail and all this stuff. That basically works as like a catch and release for criminals. You already have the catch and release for open borders, they want the Trump supporters to rot in jail, but they want all these other people to be set free, all these violent criminals. It's absurd. It, it's flawed on its face. They can't argue in a debate, so therefore they resort to name-calling. Like when the president, uh, I don't want to call him the president, when, when uh, Quid Pro Joe the so-called leader of the United States right now, called Rittenhouse a white supremacist while he was a then-candidate. To me, if you called me a racist, that's worse than me calling you the biggest curse word that I'm not allowed to say. 
on the planet. I might as well call you, you know, the worst thing I could ever call you. Because there's nothing more moronic and stupid than being called a racist. You might as well call me stupid. Because, generally speaking, I've never met a smart racist. I met, you know, that's just a dumb philosophy. Discrimination and intolerance are things that happen among the left. And so it's such a great insult. The yeah, I think that in, in the case of uh, Biden, he was a civilian at the time, and he should be sued. His, either his campaign should be sued, or he should be sued. But I think that Rittenhouse is entitled to tenfold what Sandman got. There's no doubt about it. So this, in the end, is what really has him worried. Let's take a listen to Rittenhouse with regard to this statement. You know, you just got acquitted. Yeah. I mean, like two days ago. So that was the first thing I noticed, that you seem very calm. You don't seem like someone who's just been through, uh, you know, had his mind blown. Yeah, and the inside I'm freaking out, but the best thing you can do, you freak out, everybody else freaks out. It's like a chain reaction. Yes. So the best thing I can do is stay calm. Do you feel like you've been watched over? I believe God's been on my side through the beginning. You know, you just got acquitted. God's on his side. They fear that the most, folks. God over government? How dare you? I mean, that's exactly what they're trying to do. They're trying to replace God with government. They want government to be more powerful than anything. And the only way they can do that is if they take away the churches from the town square, if they take away your right to assemble and pray. Meanwhile, giving rights to Black Lives Matter to burn places down, you know, that's okay. I mean, didn't uh, de Blasio say basically some things are a higher calling? I don't know if you can get any higher calling than praying and worshiping God, but that's what we were faced with. The left wants to replace God with government, government being the most powerful entity in the world. And this is all an extension of globalism, and this is all paid for by access to slave labor markets. Because last I checked, these agendas take a lot of money. But the people in power and in charge, they're going to keep their power, keep in charge. And you, you'll just continue to work, pay your taxes, and that's, that's the arrangement that they want. This is a bigger picture than what meets the eye. And that's what we have to realize is that we're in for the fight of our lives. Well, that brings us to the end of the Scott Adams Show. We'll see you next time. On the right up Bye.